if you're coming into this audio segment of the episode on purpose. Oh boy, oh boy. Although I do believe this one is extremely important. If you're joining us for the first time right now, you're missing out on a whole lot of context if you don't listen to the first two parts beforehand. But with that, picking up where we left off, living in purpose is crucial to maintaining the long-term motivation to defy circumstances in the worst of times and to stay engaged during the best of times. What's the thing that motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? Dull responsibility? Maybe fear of consequence? Have you ever woken up with a sense of anticipation or possibly excitement when rolling out of bed? Maybe Christmas Day as a kid, um, at the very least, am I right? Or perhaps you knew you were about to embark on a five hour plus road trip. Was it easier to get up and go then? Did it seem to matter even if you woke up significantly earlier than normal? Perhaps I'm talking to the void, but this usually seems to be the case for me. And I'm not traditionally a morning person. Why are days like these any different than normal days? Now, I'm not saying that discovering purpose is going to replace the need for an alarm clock, but it may provide the right kind of determination to overcome that hazy auto response of hitting the snooze button and telling yourself 10 more minutes, you know, five times in a row. If you've ever felt the spark of energy that made you feel like you could be indefinitely productive, only to wonder the next day how you could have possibly ever felt that motivation the day before, that's the kind of energy you can access when you determine and begin to live your life with and in purpose. So how do we discover it? Well, that one's a little bit more ambiguous. As I've expressed before, purpose isn't a one-size-fits-all type thing. But there's a reason we've taken the path we have so far on this journey in spiritual growth. Once we recognize where our attention goes, we can discover what we value. Once we discover what we value, we can begin to uncover beliefs defined by our perceptions and our experiences. Once we uncover and accept or adjust our beliefs about ourselves and the world beyond us, we can align our beliefs with the values we uphold and aspire to. Once we are confident in our values, we have the opportunity to define and enact our passions. As we grow through our passions, we can define what we truly want for our lives. What we live for is our purpose. What do you want? Why does it matter? And who must you become? If you can answer these three questions, you are well on your way to a fulfilling life. But from what I've witnessed, knowing what you truly want from life isn't always an easy question. If you follow my logic, it's certainly not the starting point. However, I do understand the need to start somewhere. Like I've described in part of my own story, it took me getting into a rut to even begin to decide I wanted to push my life in a new direction, or at the very least, the perception of what my life was meant to be. At the time, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted out of life, but I did know I wanted positive change. This allowed me to make small positive changes in my life. Although I wanted big changes, I eventually realized the difficulty in experiencing and maintaining dramatic change. I did a whole series of episode segments on that concept. Uh, go back to episode three, talking about change. Shameless plug. As I began to form habits around the small changes in the way I thought, reacted, directed my attention, and improved my health, both physically and spiritually, I began to truly envision my ideal life. If you're able to picture your ideal life from the get-go, more power to you. But like I said before, it's not always an easy thing to do. Ultimately, what would you do with your time if you could decide how to spend every moment of it? How would you live if there were no limiting factors, like finances or location or social status? If you can identify these kinds of things, you'll probably see the values you've previously identified reflected in this ideal life. Once you can envision this life, I'd encourage you to capture the details in some way. 
Some people use vision boards. Some people write descriptive essays from their future tense perspective. A friend of mine got creative and organized his vision from the perspective of an ideal customer, meeting his future self in his future self's ideal circumstances. An important caveat here is that this ideal life is not a destination, so much as it is a waypoint. Considering an ideal life only as an achievement, end objective, or ultimate goal is the same mental framing that often leads individuals into their mid or quarter life crisis to begin with. I already talked about how I felt when I simply checked the boxes on all the early life goals I set for myself. The last thing you want is to arrive into this ideal life and lose all the drive you had because you no longer have anything pulling you forward. This ideal life is meant to signify to yourself that you're living the life centered in purpose which you've accepted. Although a simple exercise, the following requires a lot of introspection. If you can vividly picture the lifestyle you want to be living in 10 years, but you're still struggling with the why, just ask yourself. Okay, so maybe it's not just that simple, but this exercise, I've heard it called the seven levels deep exercise. And it's all about asking why to each successive desire. For example, if you want a yacht, why do you want a yacht? And maybe you answer, to prove that I'm successful and free from societal constraints. And then you'd ask, why do you want to prove you're successful? Why do you want to be free from constraints? Answer, both are symbolic of my hard work over the years. Why is recognition of your efforts important to you? Because working the grind is a thankless job in the grand scheme of things. And then you'd ask, why is working a thankless job a means to an end for you? You might answer, because I don't have any real talents or marketable skills. Once you get to this point, it starts to get really deep and sometimes often emotional. Sometimes this exercise is better done with two people because it forces these questions that are a little bit harder to do on your own. The next why might go, why do you think you don't have any talent? And the answer, because I was never good at anything useful. Why don't you think your skills are useful? Because I was mocked for the things I enjoyed doing. Why did mocking discourage you? Because I crave companionship. And if they don't like what I do, then they must not like me. This exercise is meant to go deep and pull up those true desires that you truly crave and quite possibly are wanting to disguise with material possessions, even if you don't realize it. Simon Sinek suggests that answering why to each question can be difficult. So to address this, he suggests to attempt framing each question as a what type question instead of a why type question. Example, what is the reason you think your skills aren't useful? Asking what is often easier for the mind to grasp since it points to a singular solution rather than an ambiguous possibility that you sometimes get from asking why. Remember, the mind is a problem-solving machine. At this point, hopefully, you have a clear idea of what you want and why it's important to you. So now, projecting into the future, not only is it important to recognize the ideal life you'd be living if you were unrestricted and living in purpose, but it's also important to identify the person you had to be in order to achieve this. The goal here is to become the person your future self needs you to be in order to achieve what they already have. Again, using your future tense self, looking back on your life, what kinds of choices did you have to make? What kinds of struggles and obstacles, both internal and external, did you overcome to get here? What kinds of milestones did you have to meet? You see, what we're doing here is creating a strategic plan for your life, a treasure map, if you will. But remember, the treasure you're looking for is you. 
And for anyone trying to recognize this from a religious perspective, because again, this is the spiritual vigor chapter of this channel, they might be saying, no, no, the, the treasure we're looking for is God. And perhaps, yes. But I challenge you to consider something. What value is a treasure chest of riches if the discoverer only wants it because it looks pretty? How much stronger is that hunter's desire for the treasure when they know the value of the treasure and how much it can improve their lives? Quick story. True story, actually. Back shortly after the recession of 2008 and 2009, an affluent man wanted to encourage the world to get outside and have a sense of adventure and purpose in their lives. An appropriate theme, if I do say so myself. He hid a literal chest of treasure in the Rocky Mountains and left an obscure clue to its location within the, a poem he included in his autobiography. Many people tried to find the treasure, but a decade passed until, I kid you not, last week, and dating this episode, we're currently in June 2020, someone literally found it. This person not only knew the value of the treasure, estimated to be worth at least over a million dollars, but they also knew the value relative to their own life. If it wasn't worth the risk to them, would they have done it? Don't you think this required a significant assessment on their part? Many people had already died in search of this treasure. What made this discoverer any different? Not only did this person clearly have an understanding of the value they sought, and the conviction to seek it, but they also had a better understanding than anyone else of how to get there. And if I were a betting man, I'd say they prepared themselves appropriately for the journey. And this isn't some hypothetical metaphor, guys. This actually happened. How exciting is that? My point here is that whatever your purpose is, the treasure is just a milestone. And that's why if we're looking at it from a religious standpoint, we're not treating God as the treasure. The discoverer of the Rocky Mountains treasure went on that quest because they wanted something that the treasure could help provide. Fortune, financial freedom, an adventurous life, but it doesn't stop with discovering the treasure. If the person squanders their newfound fortune, they'll likely be back to square one. But finding this treasure is a milestone of accomplishment, and so long as they continue to be the person who's worthy of their own purpose, whatever that may be, then they'll always be able to move forward knowing what's possible and no one can take that away. So like I said before, the treasure on this strategic plan or map that you're creating is you. But purpose is the journey you take to and beyond the treasure you are seeking. So in your strategic plan, if you can identify the major pieces, you can begin to formulate actual no kidding goals. It's important to have both short-term and long-term goals. So now we're moving from the strategic perspective to the operational and tactical planning. Again, before we get into the finer details, stop to consider the most realistic halfway point to becoming this ideal self. This ideal self that has the ability to compound the purpose which you're hoping to live. As you start to create your goals, try to stick to the traditional tried and true method of creating SMART goals. SMART being an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. So looking at this halfway point to your ideal self, consider in X many years, I have done a specific or realistic number of something, and this represents my values and my purpose by blank. For any goal you set, it's extremely important to tie it back to your purpose. Imagine spending however long it took to accomplish a big goal, only to realize that there's no real satisfaction or greater meaning after that goal is met. I'm sure many of you don't even have to imagine that. In any event, Having continuous goals are what keep us motivated for more, even when it's just more of the same, for better or for worse. Again, 
Goals are dangerous because the meaning they provide when you're working towards them is the meaning that's taken away once you achieve them. But creating values-based goals in line with greater purpose will allow for fulfillment even after the goals are complete and even during the inevitable grind. Now, it would be naive to think that anyone could sit down and completely map out every exact step they'd have to take to achieve the larger goals associated with their purpose. And if this were the case, then they'd already have the secret recipe for happiness. And I'd like a taste, please. But as I've suggested before, simply taking the first step in the right direction is sometimes the best thing you can do to kick off the ultimate journey. If you have a sense of what purpose is, and believe me, you do, even if you can't quite articulate it yet, then allow your regular actions to begin falling in line with it. As you do this, you'll begin to recognize more opportunity and more possibility associated with what you want to do as you begin to live in purpose. Think of it this way. You're going down a river in a boat, kayak, canoe, whatever, and perhaps you try to forcibly go one direction, but the current puts up quite a fight. If all you do is fight it, you'll end up exhausted and probably not even land where you intended if you're trying to get to the shore. But if you let the current guide you, then you can use the momentum to your advantage and propel forward. But wait, you might say, how come similar metaphors suggest not to go with the flow? Okay, so taking that, consider what would happen if you did. If you just relaxed and let the current do the work, I imagine quickly getting bashed into the rocks because you've completely abandoned the responsibility of steering your craft. So what does this actually mean? Use the momentum afforded to you by purpose, but be cognizant of the obstacles in your path, all the while leveraging your judgment on how to get around them. Even a goal can be an obstacle if we don't align that goal with our values. Consider this, you've created a SMART goal and you know what it takes to achieve it, but the grind it took to achieve that goal didn't measure up to anything meaningful, again, once that goal was accomplished. So why do I keep bringing up this concept? Because having this kind of goal, especially if it's a larger one, may completely distract you from living in purpose if the goal is not oriented with your values. In this case, you may conclude that any large goal like these are not worth it, even when pursuing ones that are significant to your life. Ideally, instead, this large goal would have been values-based, in which case the achievement would instead provide the validation of living in purpose and further motivate accomplishing more. Okay, okay, so these are how we should frame our goals. Got it, Gerg. But how do we start? All you've suggested so far is to start making small changes in how we frame our current activities so that they are in pursuit of something greater than ourselves. This sounds good and all, but how is this a tactical solution with the intent of living in purpose? Well, the new tactical solution is only effective once you can frame your everyday actions correctly allowing you to clearly make definitive and achievable goals. Not only creating these values-based goals, but also feeling excited and empowered to accomplish them. At this point, the tactical solution can begin by asking, what can I do in the next 24 hours? What is the immediate thing I can do? What can I do that will give me visual progress toward my measurable, purpose-living success point? However, before you jump into this first goal, also consider two things. Once this 24-hour goal is accomplished, what can you achieve in two weeks? Then, what can you achieve in three months? Create each of these goals centered in your values and allowing you to grow in your purpose. Or at the very least, again, create these goals so that they are moving you in your already defined right direction with the hope of discovering true purpose along the way. 
The thing about values-based goals is that they provide us with a clear direction. So my personal example of this, in order to help people grow and share the message I believe in, I knew I needed to first have a platform with a voice. I decided on beginning with the podcast, but I couldn't exactly start producing something from nothing on day zero. My larger two-week goal was a little bit clearer to me right off the bat. I needed that platform, but this needed to be preceded by simply doing the research on what was required of the podcast, hosting, editing tools, hardware, and any technical considerations. Again, just discovering what those things were. This was roughly my 24-hour goal, although admittedly I did stretch this one out because I kept getting distracted. But nevertheless, I was still committed to at least starting my research, and that was something I could start immediately. I probably could have done better in more clearly defining the time-bound aspect of this goal, you know, but all the same, I was able to check the box, and I did feel a sense of accomplishment once I committed to the resources I was going to use, or at least start using. Currently, I'm still living my three-month goal, and sometimes I forget that, and it's, it's a really cool feeling when I look at it and say, wow, I might actually get this done in three months, because every episode I create and subsequently produce is another validation that that goal is getting achieved. It's another milestone towards achieving that three-month goal, and it's really exciting. Even every subtask for the episodes, just writing out the episode, recording it, and creating the publishing descriptions, all that kind of stuff, all of it adds up and is a validation of progress towards the completion of this three-month goal, and it's super exciting. So what is my three-month goal? Well, it's to complete the podcast series and begin growing a community of purpose-oriented free thinkers with a launch of a subsequent platform. Yes, my friends, you are a significant part of my goal. Aww. Okay, so back to the tactics. But Gurgi might say, I thought the saying goes, even the best plan never survives first contact with the enemy. Ah, very insightful, you intellectual you. This may be true, but here's the thing. In the process of laying the groundwork for our goals, especially the more often we do this, the more natural the planning becomes. Because all your goals are values-based, even if circumstances change, you still know the direction you're going and how to respond in line with what you believe and what you stand for. Essentially, what you're creating is spiritual muscle memory. You're forming habits around orienting your objectives and it's becoming easier to decide how to respond and succeed. Think Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. Wax on, wax off. Created the muscle memory to respond effectively in real time when the heat turned up and true punches came his way. Even though he may not have predicted the order or style of the strikes, Karate Kiddo Danielson had the muscle memory to react effectively to most of those strikes. And all the while, he had a clear understanding of what to do, even if he faltered. When you choose the right thing often enough, there's increasingly less resistance to making the right choices. And again, any missteps are just opportunities to learn and grow all the same. Honestly, the tactical solution got somewhat glazed over there, but, but that's because it's not that complicated after all. After you begin to articulate what you want, or at least the direction you want to go, create immediate, short-term, and long-term goals that are all oriented with your values, which, by the way, you do have a clear understanding of at this point. As the saying goes, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? But why are you eating that elephant in the first place? Meaning requires action. So yes, to eat the elephant, you must take the first bite and continue. But meaning is something that we must continually find and nurture consistently. An equally important factor of this goal setting process is orienting these goals to go somewhere. This somewhere is your purpose. 
and this somewhere should also be perpetually farther ahead because again it's not a destination at the completion of each easily digestible step that you identify it's important to reassess whether the actions you're taking are in line with and motivated by your values and decide whether the completion of these goals is still in line with your purpose has your definition of your purpose and subsequently have your values changed this is super important so i'll repeat has your definition of your purpose and subsequently have your values changed because it's entirely possible over time we'll have a clear idea of what our purpose is and as this happens we need to regularly reassess whether the individual goals we set are still in line with this purpose or else whether they're just distracting and a waste of time think of this like a funnel you're funneling your focus over time toward your unique purpose anything extra needs to be deliberately extra and also for a reason even if that reason is just taking a breather but again this is just so that you can be more effective when you get up and go the next time around everything done with a purpose so that you can live in purpose just like any business idea or scientific understanding the better we can simplify and articulate our purpose the better we ourselves can assess whether something is in line with it this is called brevity right shortening the meaning of something to something that's digestible and understandable in a quick manner however when asked to explain we also have the highly detailed plan or formula or business plan or method ready to explain once we have sold someone on the initial concept knowing your purpose requires you to be radically honest with yourself and with others about it and again brevity of your purpose helps you with that shortcut of understanding true spiritual growth shows in your ability to speak freely about it what is your purpose and what are the words that describe it purpose is defined by your values if purpose has the ability to let you down your perceived values and your worldview will be broken and you will be crushed our hope is to find a purpose that we can use to say if all else fails at least i have blank at this point you can double check your reasoning by asking can blank be lost these are very important questions to consider but even with a strong wholesome purpose this doesn't mean we won't face resistance however with the right kind of purpose resistance will only increase our strength and will to respond to it more effectively and that's what the next episode is going to be about discovering and understanding our strengths the episode following that one will be about understanding how to grow and operate in spite of resistance so as a final recap of this lengthy segment of the episode on purpose this entire process of finding and living purpose start to finish can be summarized as identifying your beliefs identifying your values defining your direction aligning your actions assessing the results defining or redefining purpose along the way and constantly remembering to live in purpose today well that wraps it up folks if you enjoy these ramblings and you want to come back, I'll talk to myself again for you next time.